We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. You are listening to the Tuesday, October 24th edition of Road of His Radio, brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Pat Corain on Twitter, at Pat Corain, and with me is Sean Siegel on Twitter, at FF underscore Contrarian. Sean, how was your week seven? It was great. Having Amari Cooper in the lineup when <laughs> almost every other game was a shutout really helped the, the win-loss this week, and it was just nice to see him finally score some points. And in addition to that, we have Scott Fish on today to talk about the Fishbowl, one of the most exciting and creative contests in fantasy football, so it should be a great show. Yeah, um, Scott is a, a great guest, as always. Um, you can get into a lot of really cool stuff with him. And I'm with you on Amari Cooper. You know, It's funny that he had such a big game that he kind of made, made me almost feel smart for drafting him after all. Um, <laughs> maybe if he had caught a couple more of those passes, uh, he probably could have had like 300 yards in that game if he caught everything, but... Um, but yeah, it was just nice to see him finally get on the scoreboard there. Um, but so I wanted to before we get to Scott, I wanted to get into some dynasty trades with you, Sean. I uh, I pulled off a dynasty trade I wanted to talk to you about. I also got a trade offer. I'm curious to get your thoughts on. And uh, you were telling me you kind of had a series of trades in dynasty that uh, it looks pretty interesting. So I want to get into that. 
Before we get into that, though, I, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the Rotoviz podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription will give you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content, and it also supports the pod. Uh, you can also help support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz radio channel on iTunes. Uh, and you can contact us via Twitter, at Rotoviz Radio, or via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. Uh, and I will just mention, again, if you uh, are unaware, we have a separate feed for the Rotovis Radio podcast now, um, the Rotovis Radio football show feed. So you can subscribe two ways, one via the main Rotovis Radio channel or via the Rotovis Radio football feed, which will have a little bit less shows on that feed. Um, but yeah, Sean, let's get into uh, some dynasty trades. Um, I guess first... In the Rotovis Dynasty League, we uh, we traded for your boy Stefan Diggs. Kind of wanted to get your thoughts uh, on that. We traded away, um, and I say we. I co-own that team with my brother Mike, but um, we traded our first round pick, our second round pick, an additional 2018 second round pick, um, and which should be I think a, a, about a mid second. Um, we're two and. Four four going on two and five in that league but we're second in total points so i think we'll make the playoff as a playoffs as a wild card um so it's probably a mid first and a couple mid seconds um hopefully better than that because we're obviously looking to win this thing but anyway that's kind of what we gave up for digs what do you we also threw in a a defensive end it's an idp league um and we got teddy bridgewater back as a throw in which uh i feel like is kind of a nice little upside play but sean what did you think of that trade this is the perfect time to add Diggs because he's going through that um, what seems like yearly midseason injury difficulty where he doesn't score any points, and it's easy to forget that when he's on the field, you know, he just might be a top five wide receiver. One of the things that's exciting about Diggs, if you can forget about the injuries, is that he has put up these big numbers with a variety of quarterbacks and a variety of different uh, types of talents. And I think that's got to be encouraging for you as an owner, especially in the context of the last couple of weeks where we've seen these big name quarterbacks go down or in the situation with Carson Palmer, a quarterback who probably isn't an elite quarterback, but someone who can move the ball. And as soon as you lose that quarterback, we're looking at Jordy Nelson having his value go from, you know, top two or three wide receiver to the weekly question of, can you start it? You see Larry Fitzgerald going from one of the highest scoring wide receivers this year to the question next week people are going to have of, of can you start him? Stephon Diggs, <laughs> the question is always, is he going to play? But when he's on the field, you definitely know that you want to have him in the lineup. And especially for our dynasty format, I think the sky is, is certainly the limit. The one player who seems to be very reliable so far this season is Antonio Brown, and that's just always the player who comes to mind when you're looking at digs. Um, yeah. And I, in another league, I actually threw out kind of a, a little bit of a, a low ball offer compared to what we ended up uh, pulling off for digs in, in the road of his dynasty league. I, I threw out just my first round pick, which I'm on the playoff bubble in that league and Wayne Gallman um, for digs that kind of got soft rejected, which is what I expected. But I uh, just kind of wanted to see what the interest was. When I say soft rejected, he hasn't rejected the offer, but he sent another offer trying to get my first. Um, so my first round pick 
and I'd give up Austin Safarian Jenkins, and I'd receive Travis Kelsey. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that deal. And also, like, I kind of threw out, like, um, a little bit of a starter offer there on Diggs. Do you think I should kind of get serious about Diggs or kind of explore this new angle of potentially getting Travis Kelsey in exchange for ASJ in a first? Well, I think what happened, what's happened there really illustrates the value of sending out offers, which is that even if those offers are not accepted, frequently you'll get an offer back that is at least intriguing, even if you end up deciding not to take it. Now, this trade of Safarian Jenkins in a future first for Kelsey is tricky because Safarian Jenkins is finally starting to come on and looks like he could be a you know as high as a top five tight end especially if they can get their offense to work. With Josh McCown, Josh McCown is one of those interesting quarterbacks where he can move the ball. And as I was Mm -hmm. watching that game, I was thinking to myself, well, Josh McCown might still be a top 15 quarterback. Now, he's not one of the stars, but you watch all these games where the teams are getting shut out, and yet the Jets you know, were accused of tanking this season and certainly didn't have the playoffs really as a realistic objective. Now they they've been doing quite well. It wasn't until he threw that bad interception at the end that you're like, okay, well that's that's the downside with Josh McCown. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, you know, Safarian Jenkins is benefiting from the fact that he can move the ball, whereas Travis Kelsey has this interesting situation with Alex Smith, where he's he's clearly the best tight end after Rob Gronkowski, with the possible exception of Jordan Reed, who is you know, very consistently injured. But Smith has been an anchor for him. Well, all of a sudden, that doesn't look to be the case, where the Chiefs offense, and we saw it again this Thursday night, where it, it was their defense who couldn't hold up in the end. The Chiefs offense now is scoring. Travis Kelsey is a big threat. And so that gives your team a chance to be high scoring at a position that, that is difficult to field. So I would kind of go back to you and ask, from a dynasty perspective, what do you like from the tight end position? Are you still focusing very heavily on running back and wide receiver like we do so much for redraft? Or for dynasty, are you trying to build out every single position with really a top player? I tend to go all or nothing in dynasty at tight end. So I have Gronk in a couple dynasty leagues. Um, And then like in this league, I have just punted the position uh, pretty much completely every year. Like I've I've just streamed. It's a pretty shallow dynasty league. It's 20-man roster, but we have kicker and defense so it's really 18 there's a couple ir spots but um basically it's it's shallow enough that i can still kind of stream the position basically um i have Ertz in another league but i didn't pay that much for him and so he's kind of turned into something but um anyway yeah i just kind of have tended to either go for that really elite option like gronk or just try to uh, throw darts at the position, but really, but really cheap darts. Waiver wire ads. I did spend a first round pick on David Njoku, who I'm a big fan of. But you know, it's kind of um, I think it was the 108. You know, so I, you know, later first round pick, and I think he has elite upside. So um, I've kind of I've kind of handled it that way. I'm not someone that's really been willing to pay much for that kind of non-elite tier that kind of tight end one but not gonna necessarily be a huge difference maker and i haven't acquired kelsey in any dynasty league so this would be a first although he i kind of used to peg him as like not necessarily an elite tight end but with smith's emergence and the offense kind of developing and becoming a little bit more high volume and big play um i do think that kelsey has you know he as a fantasy option now he is kind of an elite tight end whereas before he was just 
an elite real-life tight end, but not an elite fantasy option. Well, you mentioned Njoku. Let me give you a scenario that played out for me in, in a league this last week that was sort of strange because there was this one position that kept showing up in all the trades. It started out with a trade with Ryan McDowell, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, where he offered Njoku in a third, and he asked for that for me, gave up Jordan Reed. I accepted that and then turned around and trade Reed along with a first-round pick and Chris Hogan to a team that is trying to win this season for Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson. And then within minutes on the heels of that, uh, traded Olson and Tevin Coleman for Hunter Henry, Chris Carson, and a future second and third. So in the end, what that boiled down to was moving from Njoku to Henry, also acquiring Christian McCaffrey and a second-round pick next year, while in total I gave up Chris Hogan, Tevin Coleman, um, and a 2019 first-round pick. In terms of those series of tight ends and those series of trades, where do you like the value there, and how do you see moving from Njoku to Henry? I prefer Njoku, personally, Um, just because I feel like with Henry, you're not getting all that much production right now, and Njoku... I don't know. Maybe it's just that, like, because he's a rookie and I kind of know not to count on him, that uh, I'm discounting the lack of production or I'm giving him too much credit given the lack of production. But yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of Njoku. I, I kind of prefer Njoku there. I think you could win that series of trades um, basically on, Maca- on the back of McCaffrey. I think, you know, having him, uh, you didn't have to give up all that much. Um, to get him if he turns out to be, you know, an elite PPR running back. Um, I guess I'm most curious about the last trade where you gave up Tevin Coleman um, and Greg Olson, right? And you got back Chris Carson, second and third, um, and Hunter Henry. Is that, or did I screw this up? Yeah, so Coleman and Olson for Henry Carson, a second-round pick and a third-round pick. Right. The So... Yeah, no, just talk me through that that one. That's the one that I think is the most interesting part. Well, Tevin Coleman is a player that I recommend every year in redraft because if anything happens to Devontae Freeman, then Coleman is immediately a contender to finish as really the number one overall running back. Certainly not rooting for that. Don't want Freeman to get injured. He's an amazing talent in his own right, and that committee works extremely well for them. But Coleman is is an undervalued reality player, I think, even though people understand where he is and understand that to have worked himself into a committee with someone who is playing as well as Freeman is an amazing accomplishment in its own right. But he's a guy who can catch the ball well, who is useful down around the goal line, who has blazing speed so he can take any any play for a touchdown. It's got amazing upside. But those are also the kinds of players that I like to trade if the value also has the downside of staying in the committee you know, getting hurt himself. Obviously, there's no guarantee as you look to how these running backs get hurt that it would be Freeman who is injured as opposed to Coleman. And I think the diminishing amount of value that running backs have over time, so a running back who doesn't have value here, there's no guarantee of the value in the future, plus that value as you go out further for a running back is less than some other positions. Also, the opposing owner had been asking for Coleman in a variety of different ways, in a variety of different trades over the course of the past couple of weeks. And one of the things that I always try and do is that when I'm working on trade offers with someone, when they get into a range that I feel the trade will work for us to go ahead and make the trade, 
I know that a lot of players have the mentality of it doesn't really make sense or there's no value, there's no gain to make a trade if you don't win the trade or if the trade doesn't very clearly make your own team better in terms of either your short or long-term objectives. I guess I, I look at it the opposite way, where I think that if you can make a trade, you should make a trade because it makes future trades easier. You think in terms of, well, who do you make trades with in your league? Who do you enjoy sending out offers to, getting offers from? Well, they tend to be the people you've made trades with in the past. So anytime you can make a trade that works for you, you should go ahead and do that because it will increase your overall trade volume. And I think the number one thing that will allow you to win dynasty leagues is having the highest trade volume of anyone in your league. That's really interesting. And uh, you are someone that, you know, in the league that I am in with you, uh, the Rotovis Dynasty League, you are very easy to trade with. (laughs) So, you know, and it's been, I think, you know, your, your theory makes a lot of sense in that when I'm looking, okay, who am I going to, who am I going to try to trade with? If I'm trading down in the draft or just like, I've got to make a quick decision. I literally look for where you, you are in the draft order. Cause I'm like, well, I can, I'm looking to trade down. Sean's my first call. Char- Charles Kleinhexel is another guy where I'm just like, I know that I can get trades done with Charlie. Um, so, you know, you guys are on my speed dial. And I think that there is a lot of value in that. And one of the things that always comes up in terms of talking dynasty trades or talking trades in general is just this concern I think people have of making a trade offer that gets immediately rejected and having the other person think that you weren't bargaining in good faith. And and that tends to stifle the trades. So if you can get yourself into a position where you've established credibility with your trade partners, that really helps because people just don't see eye to eye on trades all the time. You'll send out an offer that you really feel like is an overpay and the person will immediately reject. You'll send out an offer just to sort of open up discussions and the other person will accept it. And then sometimes you have these trade offers or these trade discussions that go 14, 15, 16 offers and take you know three or four weeks. And so you've got that kind that, that comes into play as well. But none of those things happen if you can't get those trade discussions going in the first place, which means feeling comfortable even just sending out that trade. If you get the reputation of someone who is constantly sending out terrible trade offers, obviously that won't help you. Or the person who immediately rejects all trades without considering them, that won't help you. But establishing the fact that you're someone worth trading with, it just has this huge value to you as the owner beyond what happens in that trade. And the fact of the matter is just that people disagree on the values for players and there'll be times we'll all make a trade and the response from some of the other players in the league is that, oh, you know, that's not a fair trade. You got too much back or the exact opposite. I had a trade this week right before the game started where I moved Terrell Williams and Jimmy Graham for Rex Burkhead and Deontay Foreman. Well, the two running backs getting back are our second stringers, or in Burkhead's case, maybe like a fourth or fifth stringer, and the other two players are starters. But within the context of what I wanted to do, the running backs had more value. And I think especially Foreman in the future has the potential to have far more value than anyone else in that trade. So the trade made sense for me, but it also was two backups for two starters. And so you can see the way in which people would object to that. But the point there is simply that you don't know how other players are going to be valued. And if you don't make trade offers, then it's very difficult to benefit from the different valuations the different owners have on players. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, and I think that's especially true of a guy like Foreman, some of these backup running back um, guys are sometimes held on to very, very tightly because someone, you know, the person that, that targeted him, like uh, I was a big Foreman fan, you know, he's someone that I'd be holding on to. But at some point, Foreman had to get taken in the second round of your uh, rookie draft. It might not have been by someone who likes Foreman very much or thought he was all that great of a prospect. It just could have been a value pick there. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree. I think the players without a ton of playing time are are usually the hardest to evaluate, and you're going to see the, the widest uh, range of evaluations uh, in your league because it really comes down to whatever that person's priors were on that player, and, and those are probably going to vary pretty widely. So much of it boils down to how players in your league are willing are, are valuing those first round picks and if they're willing to trade again at the point in time of the draft. The strategy that I usually take or the, the tactic that I'll use is to try and buy the player at this point, use them during the season, and then resell them. And so d- depending on how you value them, you might say that, well, that's going to end up with a little bit of an overpay right now and then a little bit of an overpay again at the time of the draft when you are selling veterans and in order to move back into drafts you have to sell veterans with value and people aren't going to buy the the players who who people aren't excited about so if you're going to move back into drafts you have to give up someone like a kelsey who has very clear value in the future but if you can if you can trade both directions then i think that would be a way potentially to go if you could get kelsey to use him now and then move back into that draft but that depends a lot on how owners in your draft trade or in your league trade. So that's interesting. Is that is the reason that you like to kind of because I've I've noticed that you do that as well uh, in the Rose Dynasty League where you'll you'll trade your draft picks, but then you're very active during the rookie draft trading back in a lot, um, and and that is when you know just the the counter to your strategy would be as you mentioned you're selling draft picks when they're not at their peak value and you're buying them when they are at their peak value. What what is the reason for doing that? Is it that you're getting those added points, like by getting a Kelsey now, you know, you could potentially help you win a a title. Is that why you're willing to kind of go against the I, I don't know the the market idea of when you should be buying and selling the draft? I think that's part of it. I think the time value is something you have to factor in as being very very important, and then the value again of of simply making a lot of trades, moving in and out and targeting players who have a very wide range of value. So there are a couple of different ideas on how you should address rookies. And there's certainly been, we published probably six, seven, ten articles this past offseason showing that the young players in Dynasty are definitely overvalued, both in terms of the actual number of points that they score and how well you can predict which players are going to be good. So... You have both of those elements that really argue for targeting veteran players. At the same time, if you can add a lot of volume of young players, then you're hitting a lot of players with a wide range of values, which gives you a chance then to add multiple guys who perform well beyond what was realistic for them, or well beyond what the most likely outcome, I should say. And so if you can stockpile those kinds of players, then you have a chance to hit multiple times and build these super rosters, which I think is very important. But the other element is simply that even when you overpay at those two different points, you gain the time value, but you also gain the value of those rookies actually jumping in trade value 
even if their actual value has stayed the same or declined. And I think you wrote a series on that exact topic yeah. this offseason. Yeah, I I uh I started the series. I, I did I haven't finished it yet, but the first um you know, one of the first earlier things I looked at was that uh was just the idea of trade value as uh, as quantified by the uh Rotoviz Dynasty Trade Calculator that takes a look at startup drafts, actual startup drafts from my fantasy league, um, kind of scrapes my fantasy league for uh, dynasty startup drafts, and then kind of using basically an exponential curve of value because, you know, the 101 compared to a second round pick is worth a lot more than the 501 compared to uh, a, um, a six round pick. So the, um, you know, that value kind of quantified shows that basically the only real way to you know, uh, reliably increase your team's trade value is to target rookies. Um, those rookies, particularly, um, the younger rookies, show a little bit more value. Um, they're, they're really the, one of the only ways to increase your team's trade value year after year. Um, but the thing is then if you hold those rookies, you're probably going to be losing value. And I think you're going to be locked into some of the other things that we identified this offseason about how we're probably overconfident in our ability to predict rookies and, and all of that. So basically, if you're just trying to increase trade value only and not really worried about your points, you'd basically want to draft a lot of rookies and sell them off probably for more rookie picks. But again, again, you're just trying to maximize your trade value, not your points. But that is a pretty reliable strategy if you're um, – if you're trying to increase trade value and it's something that you could be employing kind of on the side, I, you know, the core of your roster doesn't have to follow that strategy, but you could basically try to farm some value by investing in some rookies that you like, but not be too tied to them and be willing to move off them if they do increase in value. And I think being extremely active in a draft really relies upon your willingness to sell players who have value to sell some of your best players. And there are going to be disadvantages to that because the best players are the players who score the most points and are easier to predict in the, un in the upcoming season. So there's a disadvantage to that. But one of the things about trading your future picks and gaining veterans during the season and using those veterans in the games is just that you've moved all of the value that your league allows you to have into the present. So if you've traded all of your future picks, moved all of that value into the team that you have and the starting lineup that you can field currently, then you have, you have all your value on the team right now. And then you can turn back around and sell and buy into the draft. I think the last two Rotoviz Dynasty League drafts, I entered the draft with maybe only one or two picks and then overall ended up making, I think, 29 selections. So again, that goes back to the idea of, number one, you've got to enjoy participating in the league. And, and obviously that gives us plenty of fodder for our podcasts and our articles and that kind of thing as well. But you have to enjoy participating in the draft portion of it, but you have to have made a bunch of trades to demonstrate to people that you're a very reliable trade partner. But then on top of that, you still have to give them people you want. They want. And so... In, in many cases, you know, I've, I've sold Stefan Diggs if I was able to get enough back. You know, I've sold Le'Veon Bell, sold DeAndre Hopkins, sold those types of players in order to get multiple picks and replenish 
the the youth, and like you mentioned, the trade value of your team. Because if you are constantly maximizing the trade value of your team and also trading for players who can help at the time when you need them, then I think that's the best way to maximize the points that your team scores long term. Yep, and I think the best way to do that, if you're going to do that with any position, you should do it with running back because rookie running backs can increase dramatically in value. We, you know, we we talk about this with Scott. The rookie class this year has obviously done quite well. Um, had a great season overall. Some of these running backs are going to be worth well, well more than you paid for them, and. It's really never a bad idea to cash out, I think, after a single year. We know running back is a volatile position. Even a guy like Kareem Hunt, I think you could make a strong case that you should move off of him after this year because you'll be able to sell him for potentially like dynasty RB1 prices, like the RB1 prices. You know what I mean? Like Depending on how the rest of this year goes, he could be drafted along with David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, in dynasty startups is like a you know consensus top three running back. So I think Fournette's in the same the same boat. Um, I guess I should mention Ezekiel Elliott there, but with the suspension potentially getting pushed off into you know partly next year, we'll, we'll have to see how that affects his dynasty stock. But either way, these guys like Hunt and Fournette could be seen as top five dynasty running backs as soon as you know the end of this this season. So um, then you also got have guys like Alvin Kamara. Um, Aaron Jones, who are going to skyrocket in value. The run, the running back position is uncertain in terms of injury. It's uncertain in terms of you know being able to maintain that workload. I mean, and Aaron Jones comes to the fore because Ty Montgomery, who was a workhorse in the beginning of the season, is now getting pushed down last week and looks like he might get replaced there. So shit changes at running back, man. I, I just feel like you don't want a lot of your team value locked into the running back position. That's something in PPR leagues where I've really tried to, um, on like, I think the best way to approach going into a dynasty season is to feel uncomfortable at the running back position, maybe even more than I would in a zero running back team, because I think you're going to be able to get, make those trades so much more easily in a dynasty league. If you're in a good dynasty league anyway, um, then even you are, you know, in a, in a, in a, uh, redraft league with a zero running back team. So, whereas I'm going to be loading up on guys like, you know, Derek Henry, Tevin Coleman, where we're zero running back targets in redraft, those guys are very expensive in dynasty. So I'm not willing to, to pay that price typically to get kind of the premium zero running back targets in dynasty. I end up going even cheaper, um, I, you know, Danny Woodhead a few seasons ago when he was kind of left for dead. Uh, Tariq Cohen was a guy I was, I was picking up super late in uh, rookie drafts. Just like the the dregs of the running back position and try to get anything to pop. Um, and then trying to resell that. If I do get excess value there, maybe move off of it. Try to Try to sell it off. So I'm not opposed to having, you know, good dynasty running backs um road of his dynasty league we have uh freeman Devontae freeman and we've we've traded we we lucked out by getting him before he broke out in his second year we got him very cheap before that um and we've held on so it's not like you have to sell these guys obviously i think that's paid off hanging on to him but in general i think if you've got a lot of your your team value tied up in the running back position in ppr dynasty that's it's going to hurt you long term, in my opinion. 
But uh, let's leave it there, Sean, and um, get to our interview with Scott Fish. Uh, before we do that, I, I do want to mention our sponsor, MyBookie. Um, MyBookie is the way to to bet. You know, if you're not doing, um, let me just start this over. All right, but let's leave it there, Sean, and get to our interview with Scott Fish. Before we do, I want to just mention my bookie. Uh, my bookie is the fastest, most reliable way to bet on the game. Um, you know, obviously, you guys are into fantasy. If you're listening to this show, it's kind of weird if you're not into fantasy and you're listening to the show. But uh, you know, in, in all that knowledge, you know, you can you can use it for more than just fantasy. You can use it for actually making money on betting on the games. Go to mybookie.ag. Use the code roto radio r-o-t-o radio um so you can go there you can you could win you can get paid super reliable um make sure you use our promo code uh you can get paid out in two business days uh whether you use the promo code or not but that's uh that's mybookie.ag uh sean anything jump out to you um betting wise from from this past week well, I think you just want to bet the under on all the games. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to bet the under and, and take underdogs this year? It's 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 an undery season. But uh do you think that's gonna turn around at all? Or are you you're just uh you think this is kind of a, a weird NFL season? Well, I hope that the teams start to score again and that some of the offenses call some plays that allow for moving down the field as opposed to simply positioning themselves for the punt. But we'll we'll have to see what the quarterbacks can do this next week. Yeah, I, I'm with you. But uh, you know, if, if you want to bet the under, then you got to do it at mybookie.ag. Go there. Fast, reliable payouts. Can't beat it. Um, and uh, for now, let's get to our interview with Scott Fish of Fanball.com and the creator of the Scott Fish Bowl and the Bull Rush Podcast on Twitter at ScottFish24. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts for just one week, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part? You play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. There's no salary caps, so you play in real-life snake drafts, just like you would with your friends in a season-long league. So come in, join me, draft against me on Draft Today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code RVRADIO. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to PlayDraft.com and come play free with promo code RVRADIO. Please welcome to the show Scott Fish. You can follow on Twitter at ScottFish24. He's a senior analyst for Fanball.com and the creator of the Scott Fish Bowl and the host of the Bull Rush Podcast. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. Good to be on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's start with the Scott Fish Bowl. Uh, this has become um, kind of a phenomenon in the fantasy world with 
just the the sheer size of the tournament, the creative shifting rules that change every year. Um, this year, you know, we're we're seven weeks done basically, uh, recording this Monday night, and um, so we've got you know some sense of how the rules have kind of made uh, the the league shape this year. How do you feel about the rules? Um, and have you have you started brainstorming next year's rules already? You know, in the summer, I brainstormed some ideas for next year. I think I'm just going to revisit it come April. I'm I'm guessing I'm going to bring back some sort of PPR and some sort of points per carry because people just really love them. And, and part of the point of fantasy is to be fun. I wanted to introduce people to points per first down for this, and that's why I kind of put them on an island. I took everything else away so that there was focus on that. And, and I think it's done an okay job. I've, I found a lot of people liking it, but it, it's, it's not the most balanced scoring. So uh, that, that is something I'll probably look to uh, remedy next year. When you say it's not the most balanced scoring, are you, do you feel it's tilted too far towards running backs or? Yeah, I think it crushes. Yeah. I think it crushes wide receivers a little bit. Um, and, and people don't like that. People love their wide receivers. It's a passing league. Uh, I mean, the, the, the main key about it is you know it's not the zero yard catches or their one yard catches that's kind of short-sighted it's like and if it's third and 11 and amari cooper gets an eight yard catch he gets 1.8 points but if it's third and 11 and marshawn lynch gets a 17 yard run he gets a first down they don't have to punt and he only gets 1.7 points it's just it's seven yard runs versus 18 you know what yeah. i mean it's it's not just the zero zero it's short-sighted to look at the zero yard catches it's all of them really but uh i think it i think just for the pure fun sake we we need to include other things probably even though in those situations the obviously the biggest criticism is that like five yard loss catch or the Christian McCaffrey yep. zero yard catches over and over right. that, that really yep. stack up the points. How, how do you balance that, do you think, in terms of the fun, the reality? And obviously the bringing the first downs in this year, you're shifting it toward what actually matters in reality football, which I, I think a lot of people like. Balancing that obviously against this idea of having maybe – a little bit more of a predictable element and rewarding volume, rewarding those guys who are crucial to their offenses. Even if, you know, a touch doesn't exactly, you know, it it doesn't affect the game if the touch isn't valuable. So exactly. Do you have some, some more brainstorms for how you would want to do that? You, You know, I really, I really don't. I wish I did. Uh, but I think the end result is, someone's not going to be happy no matter what way you slice it. Like the, the people that love your, love your PPR or are going to be unhappy if it's gone. And the people who hate the PPR are going to be unhappy if it's there. Uh, I, I think mostly what I need to just do is create a system that's fun to play and, and rewards both. I know that those zero yard runs and, and receptions just, <laughs> racking those up kind of suck, but there's kind of like a, there's some, there's something fun about having a bell cow. And if he runs it 25 times, you get, you know, a few points for that. Or, or if someone really has an outlier game, like 10 catches, you, you know, that is, that is special in its own right, even though it's not important on the field. So I, I don't think it's terrible to, to give 
give points for that, but I do really, really enjoy giving points for first down just because like you said, it, it really matters on the field. And, and that's, that's kind of why we went, at least when I started playing, it was touchdown only. So like I I'm used to that old nostalgic way of rewarding, you know, things that really mattered. I think the thing I like about the fishbowl so much, in addition to all of the, the other awesome things, the size, the camaraderie, all of that is that the rules change every year. And so this being forced to change how you think about it, I think, you know, we can get in these ruts where we look at fantasy football the exact same way and say, okay, with this format, you do this, with this format, you do this. You've managed to really thwart both of those things where it's not a format each year that we're familiar with. And so you have to adjust. And that conversation has been great for the fantasy community. Um, in terms of that, and looking at that as as this huge positive, and again, brainstorms for next year, what about yardage? Is there a way that you could, or would there be an interest in overweighting yardage? You know, I I have thought about that. And, and another another guy in the industry, John Bosch, had uh, given me some, some suggestions on um, not just overweighting yardage, but Scott Barrett as well talked about underweighting tight or touchdowns because they're so, you know, they're, they're tough to predict and they're kind of fluky, uh, which, you know, in turn would over overweight yardage. I really do like that idea. I haven't crunched the numbers. I spend a lot of time crunching numbers, trying to figure out what is going to be the most balanced. It may not be the most balanced by the end of the season, but it's the most balanced when drafting, which causes that draft chaos. So uh, I spent a lot of time on that, but that's a great idea. You're, you're yet another really smart person in this industry that's brought that up. So that makes me think that I should really consider that. And you're right. It would, it would definitely make people think, make people evaluate something that they haven't, you know, they don't have to do in your, in your basic setup league. I, I brought up McCaffrey a second ago. He's one of the more interesting players, I think so far this year, both in the context that we just mentioned and sort of the context of reality football, what Carolina is doing. The next thing we kind of wanted to to shift into and talk about a little bit is this week that just happened that was really just so bizarre. We had three teams shut out, three more teams didn't score a touchdown, and you have a defending Super Bowl participant that couldn't find the end zone until late in garbage time against a defense that before that had really been hemorrhaging yards and points. Um, before we get into Carolina specifically, do you have any cons- conspiracy theories as to why this season seems to be so bad for offense? Oh, man, I really, really don't. I, what was it? Seven? There were seven teams that didn't score an offensive touchdown too as well? As something ridiculous like that? Uh, right, I don't know. Right. A lot. There, there seems to be a lot of injuries going on, and that's that's probably cramping the style of, of some of it. But yeah, I don't, I don't have a conspiracy theory. I'm not, I'm not quite that guy. But man, it's, it has been unreal to watch some of these. Scott, what do you think of of Cam Newton? We, we refer to a lot of players as being inconsistent, but I think a lot of the time what we're really saying is this player is is a below average player. But every once in a while they do something special, so they're inconsistent. But really, the issue is an overall skill kind of situation with Cam Newton, you know, he's a, a guy who has been a fantasy force in reality. He's led, you know, a 12 and four team, 15 and one team. I mean, he's clearly not a bad player, but the inconsistency this year has just been crazy. You've got those first couple of weeks, 
Then this explosion in the middle, everyone's saying, see, he really is just the same guy. And then, you know, this past weekend again, you know, passes nowhere near his guys. You got the, the highlight catch of, of McCaffrey making this one-handed grab on like a, a screen pass. Yeah. It, for, for me, Cam seems to be more and more, and this is going to sound terrible because it's Cam Newton, but more of a matchup play, right? Like his first two games, well, you thought he did poorly against New Orleans and you thought that would have been a good play, but New Orleans has been much better since last week. He was facing a bears defense that allowed what 205 yards or less to what four of their last five opponents or something like that. They, they're actually a pretty, pretty decent pass defense uh, as of, as, as of recently And that weeks four through six cam played, you know, at the time, at the time that they played them were bottom 10 defenses against the pass. So it feels like he blows up in decent matchups most of the time. And he, you know, plays down to the level of uh, in, in good in against bad against defenses that are good against the pass. It seems more like he's a matchup play than he is a matchup proof quarterback at this point. And it's, it's kind of weird to say that, but it, it seems like that's who he is. He's still really good, but, <laughs> and those, uh, you know, those rushing attempts, I think he was averaging eight for 40 yards over that three or four game span. Those will help him. But yeah, he's, he definitely can't hand. He luckily he's got a really good, you know, strength of schedule coming up. So especially this week against Tampa Bay. So, you know, this is one of those weeks where you could probably get him back in your lineup. Speaking of matchup uh, plays at quarterback, this should have been a week. We, uh, we should have been able to play Matt Ryan in the Falcons offense here. And Scott mentioned it as kind of part of the weird week, the Falcons not being able to do anything against the Patriots defense, except for like a garbage touchdown. Um, you know, like it's it's pretty crazy that the Falcons have basically fallen to the point where you your defense gets right when you go uh, go against the Falcons' offense. Um, what what are you making of this? Uh, are you selling any Falcons players, or um, are you not really buying into this kind of bad week that they just had, and and not not a great start to the season overall? No, yeah, it's it's not. It kind of reminds me of you know. It's just that Super Bowl hangover thing. I mean, look at what the Panthers did from 15 to 16, a lot of, especially Cam in particular. Uh, it feels like they're going to have one of those seasons. They're, they're almost too talented to be selling. <laughs> you know, like you, they're, too, they're so talented that you feel like they're going to flip it back on and they'll probably have matchups where they, they'll just blow up as well. But uh, I, I think this might be who they are. I, I think they might be a middle of the road team that. Uh, maybe, maybe if they get rid of Sark and change to someone else, it'll flip around, but, uh, they're, they're just too talented for me to sell right now. How much do you guys buy into kind of the coordinator change being behind this? Um, or is it just the fact that maybe, you know, Matt Ryan happened to have his best season at the same time that Kyle Shanahan had a great season as a play caller, but you know, it was kind of an outlier season for him. Potentially Jones stayed mostly healthy. Like, was last year just kind of everything happened to come together at the same time? Or is this, you know, uh, reflective of a potential coaching talent differential, uh, differential when you lose Shanahan and you get a guy who you know, really hasn't coached much at the NFL level calling plays? Well, I, I think maybe it's both. I mean, maybe maybe the real Falcons are somewhere in between and they're trying to learn this new offense. And last year was a perfect storm of an offensive explosion because of all the things you mentioned. And right now, maybe this er, these early season woes are, are just them struggling to to figure out how to play in this new uh, 
new system with this. Well, it's not really that new of a system, but with the new OC and the OC is trying to figure it out. Uh, maybe by the end of the season, it gets better. But I, I think that it's probably somewhere in the middle. You know, it's they're not as bad as they are right now, and they're not going to be as good as that season last night, last year, which is probably an outlier. The thing I think is really interesting about this particular situation is that because you have those two games with the Saints in weeks 14 and 16, everyone is saying and has been saying, you know, look ahead to the playoffs if you're going to make the playoffs. And really everyone thinks they're going to make the playoffs. So you're not going to make the playoffs. It doesn't matter anyway. You know, try and buy those Falcons because of those matchups. And certainly I think anytime that you can buy Julio Jones at a price that that is, you know, fair or in any way doable, then you're going to do that. But at the same time, if you need to make a crazy risky move because you have Jones and your team has not scored very many points so far this season, you need to shake things up a little bit because of that schedule at the end. I think you have this sort of unique opportunity where you can sell and you can still sell pretty high because of that, even though what they've done on the field this year is not encouraging. And, and again, maybe you can sell because of that late touchdown where Jones ended up with a pretty good line this week, even though, again, he was mostly taken out of that game until when the Patriots are essentially playing prevent at the end. So instead of trying to buy Jones, I think that potentially there's this real opportunity to sell him or sell some of the Falcons players because of that schedule. And, and if you've been hurt by what they've done so far, I think maybe you've got to take that risk and take that chance and, and could be an interesting way to play that. Wow, Jones. Yeah, he's Jones is not someone you typically see get traded. It, what What would you guys be looking to get back if you were going to move off of Jones? Sorry, Scott, you had something there. Were you? Oh no, I was. I was going to say that. Wow, that was an interesting, interesting way to look at it. Is all I was going to say <laughs> that uh, you know trying to sell sell Jones to someone based on the opportunity for that playoff run. Uh, and he's Julio Jones. You're right. He's not gonna, he's not going to lose much value off of one bad game. I, you know, in some of my leagues, I didn't even see Amari Cooper losing too much value after five bad games. So Julio Jones surely isn't. But I honestly, what you what you're going to get from Julio it, or uh, in a trade, uh, like Pat was just asking, he's he hasn't lost much value. And that stat line, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people look at the stat lines more than they care about that watching the game uh you're right he probably hasn't lost much value and you could probably still get a different top flight receiver top flight running back maybe really high draft picks you you can still get a lot for julio one of the things that i'd like to do when trying to make trades and trying to make difficult trades is to put the the big name guy in the trade offer and so you know if you're trying to move someone and you can't do it and you can't get much engagement with your trade partner Uh, you know a lot of people have these guys who are off limits on their team you put out the trade bait you say okay i'll trade this guy this guy this guy and everybody except for these three guys who are off limits and i mean those are the guys who let you do everything else with your team so you know if you want to make a big trade include that guy who's off limits and then try and get the off limits guy from the other team and then the secondary players and the third players are where you really make your move. And so, you know, this is more of a, a dynasty situation in some ways. But if you're trying to sell Julio Jones or you have Julio Jones on your team and we have this, you know, double dip with the Saints on the horizon, you know, like, like Scott said, I mean, he still has value. 
So you can put him in as the headliner in that trade and make it much easier then to discuss some of the other players on other teams you're looking at. So that would be another way that you could potentially use the fact that he's got this great playoff schedule, you know, juxtaposed with the fact that, that his team has not not done well. And I, and I think that is a, a legitimate red flag. I think anytime that someone goes on a bad stretch, who's Julio Jones, you know, you look to buy low, but, but you shouldn't ignore the, the, the red flag issues as well. Just like, you know, with Amari Cooper, we shouldn't ignore that early stretch, even with that huge game. So I, I think that is potentially another way that you can look at it from a trade scenario. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's really smart. Scott, do you have guys on your team who are off limits when you're making trades, or are you trying to use your best players to 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 create some engagement to hook some of your opponents? <laughs> uh, no one on my team is usually off limits. In fact, uh, today I dangled in one league. I dangled Ezekiel Elliott out there, and in another league, I dangled Melvin Gordon out there. So I do, I'm doing kind of, kind of like what you were saying. I, I'm trying to dangle some of those big paces to, I, I need more depth on both of those teams. So I'm trying to see what I can do with those. So nice. And Elliot I, I, is a perfect guy to be, exactly. to be dangling right now because what could happen is so wide open. Yeah. Yeah. Huge coming off a huge game. You know, he's going to play another week and then who knows what's going to happen. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind being able to sell him in that league right now. In terms of sells, um, there's a, there's some guys who maybe wouldn't be typical sells, but this year with the way quarterbacks have gone down, um, it, you know, maybe they have been guys like Jordy Nelson, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, T Y Hilton, Demaris Thomas, um, Carlos Hyde, not a receiver, but but struggling uh, a little bit with the the San Francisco offense, um, uh, potentially holding him back. So with these guys on struggling offenses and you know worse than expected quarterback situations, uh, are you trying to sell or do you potentially see any buy low? Uh, excuse me, any buy low opportunities with uh, guys like Nelson Fitzgerald, Hilton Thomas. Oh man, I'm a little scared to buy to buy Jordy right now and Fitz really. Uh, but I'm fine buying Hilton. I'm fine buying Hyde. I think I'm even fine buying Thomas. Um, just with Nelson and Fitzgerald, I like Hunley. But what if he what if he's the kind of quarterback that starts to develop some tunnel vision for Devontae Adams or something, and Jordy gets left in the cold, or uh, or just he spreads it around? I I really don't know what to expect there yet. So. And I don't know that I could buy him that cheap. Maybe I could, but Fitzgerald is what really scares me. I I don't like that offense to be able to move the ball at all, which drops Fitzgerald's scoring possibilities. And I just don't I don't like that. But and we've seen Fitz I, with really bad quarterback play. It's not it's not pretty. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen him with low touchdown numbers too. And yeah, it's he he might he might still see a hundred plus targets, but uh, I'm a little scared of. <laughs> of what might happen there. But uh guys like Hyde, I mean there there are just so few super bell cow backs that are getting five plus targets a game. And Carlos Hyde is one of them. I I think Bethard can be better than he's shown. I, I think he's I think he's coachable. I think that he's got potential. I don't think he's like a starting quarterback in the NFL, but I think that he can do decent enough to make to make uh to make Hyde worthy of owning um 
Hilton, I mean, going to like, what was it in a three game span? He had like 49% of Brissett's yards. Like Brissett can get tunnel vision for him a little bit at times. So he's going to have huge games. I wouldn't mind still having him on my team. And Thomas with his Sanders injury uh, and Simeon's looked, you know, like a very capable quarterback at times and at others, not good at all. But last year that didn't matter. Thomas still got a thousand yards. So do Emmanuel Sanders. So those three, I'm actually fine with their situations. Jordy and Fitzgerald, I'm a little scared about. Moving to this, uh, or staying with this idea of the quarterbacks, but with quarterbacks going down, maybe trading for a quarterback and just, I guess, moving to the Tennessee Titans in general, who had this field goal fest with the Browns. Marcus Mariota, when he came into the league, was one of the quarterbacks I was the most excited about really in a long time. And we've seen some flashes. He's still very highly thought of in the dynasty community. But I think I was expecting, and a lot of people were expecting, sort of the fireworks that we've seen just in this first month from Deshaun Watson. And, you know, we're several years in now, and it feels like we just keep waiting. And you have this exotic smash mouth. And you had this sort of strange uh, running-based offense in which, you know, frankly, a lot of the games they don't run very well and they can't pass off of it. You had this game last weekend, which feels like we're right back to the very beginning. Should we be selling Marcus Mariota now? What, what do you think about this Tennessee game and the fact that they have this running back committee where their guys aren't really fighting for the job? It, it's more a matter of if either one of them can do anything other than that one long run we got from Henry. What's the problem with this offense? Would you be buying Mariota? It, it's it's the same with Murray with the long run thing though too, right? Because uh, you take away that long run against Seattle and uh, DeMarco Murray's averaging under 3.5 yards per carry this season. I mean, they're just both pretty bad. I made a joke uh, earlier today with Ty Miller that uh, the Vikings might have three running backs better than Tennessee's backs, uh, which, you know, Cook is out, but I thought that was pretty funny, and he did not find that funny. But uh, yeah, yeah, with Mariota, I I'm with you, Sean. I thought he was going to be lights out. I thought he was going to run more. I thought he was going to, you know, do what he did at Oregon, take those draws up the middle for sixty yards every once in a while, and he just doesn't do that. I think going into the season, he'd gotten he'd had what like two rushing touchdowns per season. That's not what I expected out of him, but. Uh, Deshaun Watson, yeah, lights out. Marcus Mariota, I think you could, I mean, he's still a top five dynasty quarterback by ADP, I think, or top six or seven anyway. You can you can sell him for a ton if if you're not a believer. I, I tend to think he's going to have a long career uh, there. And I, I don't know that I'd be selling, but it's also cause for concern that he hasn't been able to stay healthy three years in a row now. So maybe, maybe that is the smart play, Sean. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is time to sell Mariota on his current top five dynasty status and see if you can get another, you know, top 10 quarterback and a piece or two. That's, that's a pretty smart, pretty smart idea. And you mentioned the running plays and, and those running plays, it was a couple of weeks ago, we were finally seeing that. And we see that long touchdown run that you talked about. And then heartbreakingly, you know, he's out. He's out for the second and a half. He has that hamstring injury and has to sit, which obviously you know, hurts you to a certain extent. Most people have 
some fill-in quarterbacks, although at this point that's not as easy this year. But then when he's come back too, you know, he he was bouncing passes this week. He he didn't look like himself at all. Even without the rushing, he wasn't able to throw the way that he normally has been able to throw. And then obviously he hasn't gotten anything from Eric Decker. Um, the, the Jets were accused of tanking when they got rid of Marshall and Decker, but they actually appear to have upgraded their receivers by <laughs> yeah. moving on from those veterans. What about when Corey Davis is finally healthy? Is that going to give Mariota the boost he needs? I I think it's going to make it harder to defend to defend everything. So yeah, I I got. I mean, you got to imagine that gives a boost. I I don't think Corey Davis is in the Treadwell Doxson area, at least not yet. <laughs> you know, I I loved loved Corey Davis. So I, I want I I didn't love either of those other guys really any of that other class as much as I loved Corey Davis. So I have a lot of high hopes for Corey Davis, but man dude can't get on the field yet. And that's, that's a big problem, but yeah, if he comes back and he's healthy, you got to imagine the, you know, a rising tide raises all boats, right? Scott, I assume you don't actually prefer uh, Latavius Murray to, to Derrick Henry and, and DeMarco. Oh Murray, no, but, it was yeah. a total, it was a total joke. <laughs> yeah, but, but What are you doing with those, those two running backs in dynasty? I mean, Murray's going to be tough to recoup value right now. He's not producing and he's older. Um, but Henry's still got a little cachet name value, I think. So are, are you looking to move off them? Uh, are you, are you kind of holding steady? What, what are you looking to do? I would sell both of them for anything I could get them for. And if I'm a contender, maybe I hold on to them, but, uh, honestly, I don't know that Latavius Murray is anything, but Dalvin cooks backup next year. And McKinnon, I believe is a free agent at the end of the year. And I'm not sure if we'll resign him or where he'll go or what he'll be. Uh, so if you don't want to sell him yet, maybe wait till he's a free agent and sign somewhere else. I, I should really check that before speaking too much on it, but I feel like he's a free agent after this year. Oh, I met the Titans running backs. What are you looking to do with them? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what what I, when you said you those? could sell them for anything. I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I would sell Latavius Murray and Jeremy yeah. Hannon. Uh, <laughs> with the Titans, with the Titans running backs, uh, DeMarco Murray, you know, I'm, ugh, I, I don't know what you can get for him at this point. Honestly, there are a lot, every league's got the Derek, the Derek Henry guy. And you can, uh, if you're not the guy, then you could sell him pretty easily. But I actually, I actually kind of like him in dynasty still. So I'd rather, I'd rather try to buy low on Derek Henry and I'd probably want to sell DeMarco Murray, if if there's a contender that you know wants him for a fair price, and by the way, you are right about McKinnon. He's an undrafted free agent this after this year, and I feel like that could be used as a selling point if you're trying to move off him in dynasty. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I'm totally yeah. With you maybe maybe wait till that free agency sell him now, or just you know play your cards and or you know at, when that free agency period comes, hope for the best and then sell him. <laughs> right. Speaking of running back, Scott. This rookie class has been phenomenal. Everything that we had sort of hoped for has basically come to fruition, with the possible exception, obviously, of Dalvin Cook getting injured. That that doesn't help the dynasty owners. It doesn't help him. And it, it's just one of those frustrating parts about reality football mostly, but then also fantasy football. How would you rank this rookie class? Obviously, we had the really huge name people, and then you also have Kareem Hunt, who was a player a lot of play, a lot of owners were also very high on he would go anywhere from number 6 to number 15 in rookie draft so he had a, a lot wider range there but i've seen a lot of people putting him up even to number 1 in this class so out of hunt fournette mccaffrey cook mixon uh camara 
how would you order those guys at this point? Okay, so I think let me let me see if I eh, I don't think I've changed off of Fournette being my top guy. Uh, so I'd probably have him one. I'd probably have Hunt two. It's just hard to ignore what he's doing, and then he's you know that Andy Reid back. Uh, that offense, uh, you know, in a year or two, if it's if let's say Tyreek Hill gets hurt or Travis Kelsey gets hurt or you know Alex Smith is gone and it's Mahomes and he struggles, that offense could struggle. Um, with Fournette, I just don't, I don't see that. I see them being a great defense with lots of defensive pieces and them just running the crap out of the ball. And it's, they're doing this with Bortles. He's doing this with Bortles. So I I don't (laughs) see that getting worse. So I I think I'd still rank Fournette above hunt. Uh, Cook is probably third. And I I wonder how much is bias for me being a Vikings fan, but I just love what I see out of the guy and he can do it in the receiving game and the running game. And our offensive line is playing better than I expected this year, but it's only going to get better. It, you know, it's, it couldn't get much worse than last year. And it, it, it can't, it's going to be tough to get worse than even this year. I mean, it's, it's better, but it's still not good. McCaffrey's weird. (laughs) I probably have him after cook, but it's, uh, he's such a good receiving back. I know he's averaging what two and a half yards per carry or something, but I, I feel like that can, that can improve a little bit, but if he's going to be a, you know, 60, 70, 80 catch guy, that's a lot of points. So uh, if he can improve in the running game at all, I think he's, he's probably still in that top five. And then I'm probably Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon. Um, I think that they both have the potential to be bell cowbacks. Uh, one of them for a very good offense that will spread it around. The other could just be flat out a bell cow back. And then you get down to Kamara for me, probably next. And Cohen, man, he had one touch last week. He's explosive, but it seems like the bears just don't care. So probably in somewhere around that order for me at this point, how much of it is this year and how much of it is next year for you? You mentioned Cohen, the bears at this point look like they're going to be a pretty solid team, which may allow the coaching staff to stay in place. But it, this still seems like a, a team a staff that's a little bit overmatched. If they want to take the next step and get to that perennial playoff kind of team, they're going to need to go with a different overall mentality other than running Jordan Howard in the line every play and punting and hoping the defense scores touchdowns. Yep. If they make some of those changes, does that boost him into this level where he could be this dual threat back who, you know, maybe like McCaffrey catches uh, 50, 60, 70 passes in is faster, is more athletic and takes some of them to the house. Yeah. I, whew, man, it's, it's, it's tough to try to envision all of that. I, I can, I can see that it can see it happening. I wasn't, I wasn't meaning to say Tara Cohen is hot garbage. In fact, week one, I wrote, I wrote about him in two articles telling people to play him in week one. So I, I, I'm a, I'm a Cohen fan. It's just the other guys above him. I, what five or six of them I think are, you know, legit RB one potential. So it's more, it's more the fact that he's got a lot of competition in that list. I gave, um, I can definitely see him being that piece, like a, like a old days, Reggie Bush or Darren Sproles type piece that does a lot of damage, especially in PPR leagues. I, I suppose he could, you know, get up to that 50, 60, 70 cat, definitely 50. 
Chris Thompson had like 50 last year, but uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose he could get up into that range, but I just can't put him ahead of those other guys. That makes sense to me. Um, I want to ask you about Fournette. Does his running style worry you at all from a dynasty perspective? I mean, he's literally waving defenders on so that he can, you know, run them over. <laughs> like it, it doesn't strike me that he's sort of built for a long career. I know he's having an awesome season and he looks great, but you know, for me, I, I, I that does worry me. Does that, you know, I know he's your top back in the class. Is that uh, mm-hmm. you think maybe an overblown concern, or how do you feel? About yeah, I, I have a real easy answer for that because I I don't play. For, I'm not a guy who plays for three, four years out. I, I just trying to trying to predict that far out for me is for me at least it feels like a fool's errand to try to predict what the NFL is going to be like and what the player landscape is going to be like in in dynasty that far out. So I'm just playing for the next year or two, maybe that third year. And right now for me, Fournette is the guy I want of that group for that little span. Uh, but I can definitely see your, your, your point that maybe this guy's got a four year career in him. It's, it's very, very true. Yeah. He, he likes contact maybe a little too much, I think, but that's a, that's a good point. Well, Scott, it was awesome to have you on before we let you go. Was there anything that stood out to you from this past weekend, sort of above everything else that you would be focusing on from a fantasy perspective? Gosh, anything that stood out for me? Well, I, Maybe the biggest thing that stands out for me is that Dak Prescott being in the eight, not even in the top 10 in ADP quarterbacks is ridiculous to me right now. Uh, his weekly floor is like 19, 20 fantasy points. It, it feels like he's going to be a guy who's just going to be at, at worst, like a high end QB two and at best QB one, a lot of weeks, uh, for many years to come. And that's, that's the type of consistency and on the ground too. He's like what the second leading rusher behind Watson on for quarterbacks. It's unreal to me that he's ranked so low for how, how good he can perform on a weekly basis. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Scott. Everyone make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at scottfish 24. Uh, check out the bull rush podcast, check out his work at fanball.com. Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And and one last thing, the the Scott Fishbowl thing, if if you do want to get in it, I do have a weekly contest on fanball.com at backslash SFB. It's a DFS contest where you could win your way in. Otherwise, you can go to scottfishbowl.com and just sign up <laughs> to play next year. It's it's tough to get in, but uh, that, that's one of the best ways to do it. I'm sure you guys will have a contest next year, too. And I definitely recommend going to that and playing the contest, trying to get in for next year, because there are very few things that are more fun than playing in this huge tournament uh, with the awesome rules that Scott has set up. So make sure you go and and take part in that contest, try and win, try and get in the fishbowl and you know, win the whole thing next year. Thank you for listening to Rotovis Radio, the flagship Rotovis podcast. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotovis Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovisradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotovis at a 30% discount through the Rotovis Radio homepage, rotovis.com slash radio.
And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.